Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on being the salt of the earth. do something like when a song's ending or whatever and you want it to end just perfect while you're moving it? You feel like you're in a video or something? Is that just me? Nobody does that? I was sliding this table for and they were building and I was like, I'm going to stop right when it stops. Anyway, just me. I live in uh, music videos. Good morning, good morning. So good to see you. So good to be back. We had a wonderful trip. I've failed miserably to prepare to show everyone on my trip today. But we had a wonderful trip in, uh, where did I go? I went to Bolivia. I went to Bolivia. And uh, I've only been five months, but I'm already like, where did I go? It's like, feels like a lot. But so we've gone to Bolivia. And uh, something happened for the very first time in Bolivia. Um, Steve. Fado actually had a death in his family, and he was unable to make it to the first night of the crusade. So he asked me before we left um, if I could uh, preach the first night of the crusade. So I preached the first night of the crusade for the first time in Bolivia, and it was amazing. And just so happens that day, um, it was the busiest day I remember of any of the trips so far for um, all the appointments for the guy who's going to speak. And so I went to the uh, TV stations and we did TV interviews with the largest TV station in Montero, which is the city we were in. And then we went and did radio interviews with multiple radio stations, and then we did newspaper and social media interviews. We did interviews all day, and I was like, where's Steve? So anyways, but it was awesome, wonderful. Thank you for sending me. Thank you for um, covering me. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, we'll keep you updated on October, as it is in the works, and I don't know what is nailed down yet, so that's uh, one of the great things about this, is you just go with the flow, so, but we're going somewhere in October. Um, I want to mention one thing in lieu of announcements, um, two things, something fun, um, Tiffany did announcements today. I like, she said, we should have um, welcomed you when you came in. All the things, if we missed you, we want to make sure and do the things. I don't remember exactly what she said. I really love the way Emily does it. Emily says, um, we should have got you when you came in. And if we didn't get you then, we want to get you now. And... 
I like, every time she does that, I'm like, I would just get up and run. <laughs> like, if you didn't get me when you came in and we're gonna get you now, heck no, you're not gonna get me. There's three exits right here, I'm getting one of them so fast. If I can't get to one of those, I'll make a new one right there. Love God, bam. Anyways, if we didn't get you when you came in, we're gonna get you now. And, uh, but thank you both. Um, buy a tree, change a life. Buy a tree, change a life. Um, this is our third year selling Christmas trees to change lives. And so it's been absolutely phenomenal. And um, so we have grown every year. And the first year we were able to impact our community and we were able to send money overseas. Half of the proceeds for Buy a Tree, Change a Life stay right here. And we do local outreaches with those funds for kids. And the other half goes to ministries and other nations. Some, actually, some of them are here. Uh, domestic, but they are um, just not our local community. And so half of it goes to there. So this is our third year. So the first year we did it, the next year we doubled what we did the first year, which was awesome. And uh, this year we want to double that. This past year we were able to raise 10000 to stay here and 10000 to send away. Amen. So we raised $20,000. So what we did here was we did an event called Give a Kid a Chance. We just really love these little buy a tree, change life, give a kid a chance, you know? And we call it Bat Cow. I don't know what we would call the other one. Give a kid a chance. Gak hack? Gak something? I don't know. Anyways, and so we were able to help 100 kids with like everything they need to go back to school. Brand new backpack. All their school supplies on their school list. Brand new pair of tennis shoes. They got to go to the store and pick them out. We got a brand new pair of jeans, haircuts, um, oil changes. What else? Lunch, food, we fed. We got donations from the community on top of the funds that we raised. And so we spent about $100 per kid uh, to send them back to school. And so this year... We're believing God to be able to minister to 250 kids. So, I mean, we've doubled every year. We, just, we don't want to double. We want to double and a half this year, okay? And so, as soon as we finished that event, uh, Give a Kid a Chance, and we helped 100 kids, I really just felt my spirit next year, 250. And so, I'm like, so what would we have to do? We'd have to raise 25,000 here and send 25,000. And so, we've already raised our tree order, and, um, and so our tree order is uh, quite a bit more than it was last year. We've got 300 trees coming, 294 trees coming, weird numbers, but that's what we got. 294 trees coming. I might go find six so we can do 300. And um, we've got a location, location, location. We're going to be right next to I-75. There's a gas station there. You guys know it's it's been out of commission for a long time. We, uh, we're going to revitalize that for our time. And so uh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be just a first-class location. So we believe that's going to help us sell so many more trees. The reason I'm bringing this to you this morning is October the 2nd is when we 
send our deposit. We pay half of our trees up front. Now, it's been our goal since the beginning, first two years. We haven't reached this goal yet. But if we're going to multiply our proceeds times two and a half, then we've got to meet some goals that we haven't met in the past. Okay? And so our goal has been to get all of the trees paid for so that when we go to sell the trees, all of that goes straight to helping kids, not just buying trees. And so we've got some little packets. Shoot, they're out here on the coffee bar, I believe. If you want to get one as you leave today, I'm not asking for people in this room to buy trees. You can if you want. Our total tree cost this year is about $18,000. It's a little under $18,000 worth of Christmas trees we're going to buy. And we're going to turn around and make $50,000 worth of profit on those. Come on. All right. And so, but we are attempting to get corporate sponsors, business sponsors. And so we, we kind of made a little packet and we have these little different entry levels. And our platinum sponsor is $1,000. And man, in my mind, like I can talk a business in to giving $1,000 to help 250 kids in our local community. That's all we were doing, you know? But so we need $20,000 sponsors or we have some other levels. I think it's 750, 500, 250. They go down. And, um, but all of those sponsors have certain things we'll give them, we'll really promote them, we'll do it big. And then we went back and added because some folks said, I bet there's some businesses that would really want to get behind it. And so we put a $5,000 legacy sponsor. And what we're going to do with that, there's several different places. Our tree sale site, everybody who's been there, it's not a place you buy a Christmas tree. It's a place you have a Christmas experience. So we have a Christmas experience that people come to. We have an area for kids. We'll have a little petting zoo with rain goats. That's what they are. And uh, maybe some other things. Anybody's got some little ponies or something like that. But we'll have that. We'll have crafts. We'll have all kinds of stuff for kids. We have a hospitality area where people come in, have hot chocolate, free coffee, all these things. I mean, they just come in. Families just have just told us over and over again, this is just an amazing experience. We want to do this every year. We've got crafts for sale. And so we'll name the whole kids area after a legacy sponsor. So if you know a business that would be a legacy sponsor, or any of these other sponsors, grab one of those flyers um, on your way out. It's a little, it's a very nice little brochure, bulletin. What's it called when it's bifold? Booklet, none of the above. It's a booklet. It's a booklet. I think a pamphlet is a trifold, isn't it? Booklet. Anyway, Jen knows because you have to push booklet on the printer for it to do it. So it's a booklet. And uh, get one on your way out. October the 2nd, that's not this coming, that's not tomorrow, but the following Monday. And uh, we introduced this to everyone who came to the first bat cow meeting and push that and we don't have any secured so far that I know of so we are we we really need to get there and so help us do that um, and that'll be great I just want to say God is doing um, how do you say this uh, uh, 
God is doing money miracles. God is doing money miracles in this place. And uh, we've talked about it a little bit over the last few weeks. God is doing money miracles in this place. He's doing money miracles in this faith family, this, 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 um, yeah, here we go. These are the booklets, all right? So get one on your way out. Thank you so much, Janelle. And, um, but he's, he's meeting the needs of this body. He's meeting the needs of this storehouse, and he's impacting lives in this body as we give ourselves to him in our finances. I mean, miracles, miracles, miracles are happening. And uh, we're so thankful for miracles. All right, let's jump in to the word because uh, we need to do that. Matthew chapter 5. I was really hoping, especially today of all days, that I would get up here super early because I wanted a little extra time, and I'm not up here super early. I'm up here actually a little bit late. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> this is the Sermon on the Mount. I want to read this from the Passion Translation because we know it says, blessed are, blessed is you know, everyone says blessed. I love the Passion Translation because all of these are blessed. They do mean blessed, but I just like to not say the same word over and over again, okay? So what happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord for you will find what you long for? What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be satisfied. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched are you when persecuted for doing what's right, for then you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How blessed you are when people insult you and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. Verse 12, so leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you're being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Verse 13, your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored. Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. That's exciting. So we're going through all of these blessed, all of these things that it's, we're encouraged will bring. I mean, if you just take the first half of every one of these verses, it would be the game plan for your life. I mean, I mean, just take them. Happiness, 
delight, blessing, enrichment, bliss, right? Joyful, peaceful, enriched. It's, it's what we would want. It's the life, but it comes with action. You are these things if you obey these principles. You are these things if you align yourself with the purposes and the will of God. And that's how you come to these places. And, and when we are people who align ourselves with God, we are salt among other people. We are the salt of the earth. Now, real quick today, I want to go through some things about salt, and I want to look at what our purpose in the earth is. Um, the very first thing, when he says that we are salt among the people or the salt of the earth, okay, that just in itself is just, you are the apple of my eye. I love you so much. See, I mean, you can just read right past that. Isn't that sad? We, we would read this passage as a rebuke. We would read this passage and heat coals of condemnation. We would, sometimes we just miss these things. But first of all, he doesn't just say, this isn't a verse to get to the point where he throws you out. So I can tell you, you're on the verge of being thrown out. The first point of this is to say, you are salt. And salt, when this is written, the Romans believe that other than the sun, there was nothing more valuable than salt. So he's saying, you are the most valuable thing in the earth. You were, they were paid in salt. You ever heard he's worth his weight in salt? They were paid in salt, or you're not worth your salt, or you're worth salt. And so salt was considered um, great value. So he's saying, you are the most valuable thing in the earth. You are the salt of the earth. Salt was considered a mark of friendship. When two people shared salt, they were bound to look after one another's welfare, even if they were previously in enemies. Salt was used to make covenant. So you're the most valuable thing in the earth, and you are what I'm in covenant with in the earth. You are my covenant with the earth. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. We are who he loves in the world. He sends us into the world because he loves the world. Just like he sent his son, Jesus is the light of the world. Then he says, you are the light of the world. We are his love demonstrated to the earth. We, he loves the world and he sent his salt into it. Um, salt is a preser preservative. I'm going to go pretty quick because I want to get through with everything I want to share with you today. Salt is a preservative. Salt was a preservative way before your refrigerator was a preservative, preserver, because there weren't refrigeration. There was not refrigeration. I was going to say there weren't refrigerators. Then I decided to say refrigeration. And so I have to change the, whatever that thing is before it. So there was not refrigeration. Okay. 
microbes that spoil food need things inside the food, moisture, different things, things that want to spoil. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, and he uses weaknesses in us to spoil us. He uses our sinful nature. He uses what's in us and he exploits it for his purposes to bring destruction to us. He gets us just to fall in line. There's a way that seems right. It ends in destruction, right? The wages of sin is death. He appeals to our sin nature so that we will end up in destruction. But Jesus came that we have life and have it abundantly. So salt pulls out that sinful nature. Salt makes it where those microbes can't exist. Romans 1, I think for sake of time, um, I'm going to not read this right now, but Romans 1, 18, 32, if you want some positive reading, this will tell you the state of mankind and, and how much we deserve death. If you just want to read that, I mean, and so this is what we're dealing with. This is the state of the world. It's not something new that came about when whoever you didn't think should be the president or should came into office. The world just didn't get bad. Cain killed Abel. Eve and Adam ate from the tree, right? And so, so on and so on. The flood, okay? Sodom and Gomorrah. There's been this state of the world, evil that has been prevalent because the enemy of our soul wants to destroy us and kill us and he just uses what he has to work with and because of the sin of one man, we all have become sinners and be born into that sinful nature. And so he exploits that, but salt preserves and it makes that not able to grow microbes. So you could be salt in your home. You actually could be the present, the preserving presence of God in your home, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your circle of friends. You could be one that keeps the microbes from growing. You could be one that makes it difficult for people to go into their sinful nature because your lifestyle convicts them. Believers preserve society by keeping back God's destructive wrath. In Genesis 18, Abraham petitioned God to not, we're going to have goats at Bat Cow. <laughs> Abraham petitioned God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there was a righteous remnant of only 10 in the city. You guys know the story. Started higher, we got down to 10. God and his great, there wasn't 10. But Abraham's heart was to preserve the city. And so we should be, our heart should be to preserve the city, not condemn the city. Our heart should be, Lord, please hold back your wrath. Give us time. Let us reach, not, Lord, please take us away. No, Lord, please give us time to get more people out of destruction. 
And then God removes Lot. He removes people out of the way before destruction comes. And so we are holding back God's destructive wrath. Believers preserve society by praying for it. In Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. God said he sought for a man to stand in the gap, but he found no one. Sought for a man to stand in the gap, but he found no one. So we should preserve society by praying for society. Lastly, in preservation, I believe believers preserve society by being a righteous influence on society. We practice these, these attributes in Matthew chapter five. We practice living this life. We should not be shocked at how the world morally, it, it should not shock us, the moral compass of the world. It should shock us that the church is not vastly different than the moral compass of the world. The world is supposed to decay. The world and all of its lust is passing away, right? But we will stand forever. So we shouldn't be shocked, but there should be a remnant. There should be a church that has a righteous influence on the world, and that brings preservation. 1 John 2, 15, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lust, but the one who does the will of God continues to live forever. And so I just love Matthew chapter six. Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and store, steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. We have to demonstrate how to preserve. We have to demonstrate how to not live a life that is stoled, killed, and destroyed. We have to live a life that is a life of preservation. We have to show them that it's not immediate gratification. It's pressing toward promise. It's sacrificing. It's carrying a cross, and it's obeying. But on the other side of it, it's bliss and promise and joy, right? All the things in Matthew chapter five. And so we pray for society. We hold back the uh, judgment of God. We influence society. We teach society how to preserve. We teach society how to respond in the face of temptation. Salt is a texture, texture enhancer. A texture enhancer. I never really thought of a texture enhancer. But I, knew, I know this, when a steak is salted at the right time, it will encourage the meat to release more liquid, which eventually reabsorbs into the meat, resulting in a juicy and flavorful steak. <sighs> but I just think this is interesting because you want to get more liquid into 
the steak. So you put something on it that draws out. It's kind of like Romans 12, 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. What? I was thinking of the saying, rub salt into the wound. You know, salt is, has many healing properties and salt is a good thing, but salt is painful in its application. And salt makes a demand and pulls out. I mean, it is, it is going to withdraw something from those around us if we are salt. And sometimes we get so intimidated to make demands on people or so intimidated, we don't even want to live our convictions in front of everybody so they don't feel condemned. Hey, you living your convictions is not condemnation. And so it's okay if it hurts. We need to understand that. I remember Smith Wigglesworth, stories of him getting on a subway and people would move their seats away and say, get away from me. Get away from me. They hated him. His presence convicted them. His presence drew something. But they can't get what needs to get in to adjust the texture if you don't draw out what needs to be drawn out. And so it's okay. In John chapter 4, when Jesus comes in contact with the woman at the well in Samaria, just took me to this. It's amazing because he wants to get to her a river of living water so that she'll never thirst again. So what did he do to get to her living water? He asked her for a drink. There's no way around it. There's no way around sacrifice. There's no way around surrender. We can tiptoe around the world all we want to, trying to make them think that they can get to the place of bliss and promise and joy and peace and all those things. No, blessed are the poor in spirit. You can't feel good about it and get to the place where you're blessed. You have to come to a place of brokenness. You have to come to a place of absolutely understanding your depravity and realizing that you desperately need a savior. And if we're tiptoeing around, I mean, you know my heart. I want to love people. I don't want to condemn them or speak to them anyway, but I don't have to alter who I am and walk around like I'm undercover, like I'm tasteless salt that doesn't do anything to people when they've got wounds that it needs to pour into so that it will bring attention to it and bring healing to it. So it's going to make demands and we, we just can't apologize that it's going to make demands. Oh, do you want to go here? Okay, I don't want to say I don't want to go there. I'm sorry, I don't do that. Do you want this? I'm sorry, I don't do that. You, hey, you do you, but I, I just, I've got convictions about that. It's okay. It's good. Because then they're going to see you one day and they're going to be at a certain place and they're not going to be feeling like they've got fulfillment and joy and peace in some things and they're going to look at you and they're going to remember man that salt that, that, that texture was different that, that thing was different maybe, maybe I should be different 
You ever heard you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink? You can if you put salt in their mouth. Come on, heap coals of heap coals on them, and it leads them to repentance. The kindness of God leads them to repentance. Your kindness is actually causing pain to them, but it causes ultimate healing to them. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's a flavor enhancer. Praise God, it's a flavor enhancer. Because that compensates for the pain. Because while we're, while we're holding to our convictions, we do it in a way that makes it taste good and palatable to people at the same time. We do it in love so that they want to eat it. Man, that actually, you presented that to me in such a loving way, in a non-condemning way, that I think I want to follow you in your convictions and see what it produces in my life. Salt is a flavor enhancer. It makes things that are bitter and maybe too sweet even, it adds elements to it. You ever notice, I like salt on, you saw me when I did watermelon not too long ago. I like salt on sweet things. I like salt on bitter things. I like salt in caramel. I like salted caramel. Mm. It also helps release certain molecules in food, bringing out some of the ingredients, flavors, and making food more aromatic. Do you know that? Actually makes food smell better and taste better. Come on, if anyone's gonna come after me, he's gonna have to take up his cross and follow me. That doesn't taste good. But we're the salt on the cross that makes it taste good. Because they see, well, I see a resurrected life though. So it becomes the joy set before them just like Jesus had joy set before them. The life you live from Matthew chapter five is the life that causes the sacrifice that they have to take to taste better. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. I'm just listening to the songs today. Blessed Assurance. I know it's not the same name now, but that's a new version of Blessed Assurance, which I love. I love that it's such an amazing, creative, new generation singing the same song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. It tastes so good. Colossians 4, 5 and 6, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity for your speech must always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. So that you will know how you should respond to each person. You want to take up your cross? I mean, I've told you guys this story before. When I was a teenager, I, I would... I would get in church and I mean, I never was out of church because my dad was a pastor, you know, but I'd be in doing good. I mean, I, I, the language was even, you know, like I'm doing right right now, I'm not doing right right now. And then my friends would have the same kind of process, okay? So when we would get together, our conversation many times would be like, you want to do this? 
I'm not doing that right now. I'm trying to do right right now, you know. And then the next time I'll be like, I change your mind. I want to do this. And they're like, well, I'm trying to do right right now, you know. It's like, I'm trying to do right right now. I'm trying, trying to do this right now. And so, but we would say it with such sadness. No, I can't. I want to with every fiber of my being. But I just can't because I, I love God. And I trust him so much and I know that his way is so full and so life-giving and it tastes so good and nothing in this world could compare to it. But if there's any way I could get him to let it slide, I would go ahead and do it. And then our evangelism was amazing. We'd go up to other people, hey. You want to follow Jesus with me? What we do is nothing. It's enjoyable. And taste and see that the Lord is good. It should taste so good. Guys, we are the salt of the earth. We are the flavor. We are the the greatest gift to the world. We are. We're blessed, blessed, blessed. It's a nutrient source. Now check this out real quick. I know, man, I gotta hurry. Oh, my, we're just gonna fly. It's a nutrient source. Listen to what sodium does. It's needed to help relax and contract muscles, conduct nerve impulses. Conducts nerves in pulses. It's like, you know, fixes things. Not conformed to this world, but transformed. Conformed is like schematics. It's, it's diagram, you know, I'm just wired this way. Salt actually helps those neuro pathways function correctly. So we are the salt. We are a re, you know, if they're not supposed to be conformed to the world, what are they supposed to be transformed? Into the image of him. Who's in the image of him? It's us. We're the reprogramming agent. We are the model. We are the training. We are the display of the appropriate methods. We bring nutrients. Salt is a binder. Salt causes all this stuff to work inside of food and it becomes, it causes them to react in ways that bring them together. Salt is a binder, who knew? You can't make some things without putting salt in it, right? Salt is a binder. Reminds me of something Padre taught. Salt, if it's going to preserve, if it's going to flavor, if it's going to season, it has to touch. You can't affect anything unless you touch it, unless you're bound to it. 
we are to be in the world, but not of the world. We didn't, we're not coming from the world, but we are sent into the world. And we have to touch the world if we're going to preserve the world. And we have to touch the world if we're going to flavor the world. We have to touch the world. Remember, salt is a covenant. We are God's covenant with the world. And he honors that covenant in us. Did you know this salt is a color enhancer? Salt is a color, the vibrant color of many processed types of meat, such as ham, hot dogs, are, is partially due to salt. The presence of salt helps promote and maintain color and prevents it from turning gray or muddy. Who wants to eat a gray or muddy hot dog? Gray or muddy piece of bologna. Salt also increases the, come on, this is a good word right here. You're going to feel wind on this. Just this word in any context, caramelization. You know? Salt also increases caramelization in bread crust, which helps it get that golden color. Who knew salt did all this stuff? So salt not only preserves things, salt not only adds flavor to things, bond things. I don't remember all the things I said, but salt adds color. Romans 8 says that we're going, his glory is going to be revealed in us. He's going to display things through us that people can see. We're going to affect the color of the kingdom. We're going to affect the color of what not only tastes good, it looks good. It looks good on you. The blessed life looks good on you. And people are going to see it. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. We are now co-seated as one with Christ. Verse seven, throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. What is your purpose as salt in the earth? I don't know if anybody would be volunteer for this. Through the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness. Would anybody just be the, the display, the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll be salt. See, this verse is not a verse you're going to be thrown out and be treading in the foot. No, you're going to, you're going to look at all this stuff you're going to be. Look at all this stuff you have opportunity to be. Look at all this stuff I want to use you to be. Don't just be salt so you're not trampled on the foot. Be salt because why? what else would you want to be? Look how amazing salt is. <clears throat> Here's where I want to get to. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. Dr. Thompson, in The Land and the Book, 
says, I've often seen just such salt and the identical disposition of it that our Lord has mentioned, a merchant of Sidon, having farmed of the government the revenue from the importation of salt, brought over an immense quantity from the marshes of Cyprus, enough, in fact, to supply the whole province for at least 20 years. This he had transferred to the mountains to cheat the government out of a some out of some small percentage, 65 houses in June, Lady Stanhope's village were rented and filled with salt. These houses have merely earthen floors and the salt next to the ground in a few years entirely spoiled. I saw large quantities of it literally thrown into the street to be trodden underfoot by people and beasts. It was good for nothing. Real quick. Can you just see this picture of a house, 65 houses, storing salt? Now, if we're the salt of the earth, then I can just right now see houses all over this city, houses all over this nation, houses throughout the world. What does a house of salt look like? It's this. This should be the saltiest place on earth. Churches should be the saltiest place on earth. It should be a place where, I mean, if anybody needs any salt, if anybody walked by this place, you know, the salt should convict them. I mean, it should do, I mean, all these things we just said, we should be on the forefront of preserving. We should be on the forefront of presenting it palatable to the world where they can want it and desire it. We should be on the forefront of adding color. We should be on the forefront of adding aroma. We should be on the forefront of all these things, the church. But it was on earthen floor. And it mingled in with earthen stuff. And it lost its savor. If we let the earth into the church, we lose our salt. And then the church looks like the world. And then there's no salt. There's no conviction. There's no, there's no coals of fire. There's no salt in wounds. There's no flavor that looks good. Sometimes, I'll be honest, we resent it when someone tries to encourage us because they were complaining yesterday, you know? Sound bites get trite when that's all we've got left. Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. You can't bless me. You ain't blessed yourself. You just said yesterday, you can't get a break. You can't win for losing. You can't blah, 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 blah. Please don't bless me. <sighs> but we should be salt. Another story, I don't have time for it, but the, this person went and got salt from these marshes and it's, it's just demonstrated again. And when you break a piece of this salt off, like all the outside that was exposed to the elements and exposed to rain and sun and all that lost its savor. But the part of the salt that was attached to the rock still tasted like salt. So churches have to be built 
on rock. We can't build them on anything else. We can't build them on all kinds of other man-made doctrines and man-made opinions and methodologies and preferences and all this garbage and elections and votes and what are we going to do next? And all this, it's got to be built on the rock. And then the churches would be full of salt that has savor. It'd be amazing. But if not, it's good for nothing except to be cast out and trod on our feet. What does that mean? It means more than what we think it means. It literally means what they did with that salt that was in those houses and what they did with salt that lost its savor is it became like gravel. But it was better than gravel because this gravel would prevent growth. So it served two purposes. It would pack down the earth and it would pervert, pre present growth. You could not put it anywhere. You could not put it on somebody's field. You could not put it in somebody's house. Everywhere that salt that lost its savor goes, not only did it not bring positive, did not only did it not bring increase, it brought destruction and it brought death and it made it infertile. It reminds me of Mark chapter four. Some seed fell by the wayside. Seeds are falling by the wayside of the salt that has no savor in our life. And the enemy is coming and picking those seeds out of the lives of people who are watching us live. And that we have become a wayside that has prevented things from growing in them. Because we... So we're sowing the word faithfully and we're the wayside and we're, we're a prevalent influence on people's life and they're not receiving the seed because the salt that's lost its savor is in them. It's like that searing of the conscience that we've talked about. They don't have hope to believe the seed. They don't have hope to believe the word. They don't have hope to believe the truth because we are the evidence of his not goodness all over our lives. Instead of the evidence of his goodness. This is my story. This is my song begrudgingly following my Savior all the day long has a negative impact. And so it's not, there is no neutral. You're either the salt of the earth or you're an impediment to the purposes of God in the earth. I want to be salt. I want to be salt. Stand with me if you will. Michael, man, you did a great job getting that in 40 minutes. Come on. Thank you, Lord. And I'm going to hand this off. Padre, if you'll come. We've got New Covenant partners waiting at a little breakfast, and I'm going to go catch them for the last few minutes. Let's just, let's just close with this thought. Salt not doing what it's supposed to do. The Roman Empire used it. And they would take it and they would cast it on the fields of territory that they wanted to take over. And they, they couldn't grow any crops. 
And the people couldn't raise any livestock, and they couldn't do anything for their families because salt not in its proper place brought destruction to the land. They'd take that territory and then the next territory and the next territory. When we don't do what we're supposed to do, we actually are used by the enemy to bring destruction on territory that he wants to take. In the heart of our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, those we work with. If we don't be, you don't do salt, you be salt. And if we don't touch lives in the manner in which each one of us individually, in our unique way, then we actually become a deficit. They don't ever get to taste. They don't ever get to see the goodness of God. There's just no evidence of it. And that's how they gained so much territory. It wasn't by battles. They won. It wasn't by fight. It wasn't that they could fight back. It's just they salted all the fields. And then that family had to leave, and that town had to shut down, and those crops couldn't grow. Nothing good could come of it, and they took that territory and that territory and that territory. So if we have an understanding of what we're supposed to be, then we can literally bow our head today. And if you need special prayer, you can come. Powerful prayer team. But it would just be good to say, God, I want to be what you've called me to be. I want to be salt. You don't do it, you be it. And if you could just be salt this week, you'll touch a life. And they'll know God's really good. They'll get a taste of his mercy or his grace or his loving kindness or his compassion through you and through me. It's so powerful. What a sermon. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for the men and women in this room, from the youngest to the oldest. And as we close this moment of receiving the word for ourselves. Let us truly be salt today and tomorrow and the remainder of this week in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Go be salt in the earth. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.